Hey, how we doing? How we doing? It is time for Fridays. Wake up to the word. Welcome back to New Testament Friday episode. New Testament NT 040 episode 40. We are really piling them up. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to the bowels of the Barksdale Communication Complex. We thank you for joining us. This is a very cool week. Uh, we are in the New Testament. And uh, if I didn't uh, share with you yesterday, I think I blurbed it in there, but our coffee of the week, we're Spirit of 76. I put it up there with the swag, with the gifts and uh, opportunities for you. I got Wake Up to the Word t-shirt there. I got Wake Up to the Word mugs that were gifts to me. And there is the Black Rifle Coffee Company, Spirit of 76. That's the coffee. Let me pull it over here for you so you can see it for yourselves. So what we're drinking this week, it's a very good coffee. As I said, a veteran-run coffee company. And uh, don't forget my new mug... Jeff's stack of stuff. Good stuff. I didn't reverb it because we're not re referencing it yet, but uh, Jeff's stack of stuff. So there you go. <clears throat> so we're going to get into the Word of God today. Our New Testament reading is... Um, I hope you don't mind all my silliness that I have... Um, uh, I just enjoy having a little fun, uh, getting people engaged, and, uh, you know, I, I just enjoy it, and I hope you enjoy it too, uh, but I do, I am serious about God's Word and teaching God's Word, and uh, if you're new to us, uh, I uh, just encourage you, go all the way back, read my, uh, listen to the intro, listen to the bonus episode, and uh, before you get in, and, and you can go through all the episodes at your leisure. I'm Pastor Jeff Barksdale. I'm the pastor of uh, Discipleship Spiritual Development at Life Coast Church here in Palm Coast, Florida. And uh, if you are visiting or if you uh, live in the area, we'd love to have you come join us. at We uh, have church at the Matanzas High School Auditorium on uh, Sunday morning at 1030. So we would love for you to join us. Um, so, Phew, that was a lot. So uh, it's now time to get into the Word of God. And we have um, this New Testament reading is Matthew 17 and Mark chapter 9. So it is time to get into the Word. Let's get ready to rumble! And here we go, Matthew 17. <clears throat> As always, when we're repeating, unless there's anything new uh, information, any 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 little um, extra blurb in there, transfiguration, we've actually done a couple of times. Uh, we're hitting it again, and then uh, that's in 17. Then the Jesus uh, heals a boy uh, with a demon. So we... Um, did talk about that. There's some similarities. It's again, we hit that again in uh, the Mark uh, 9. So this is in multiple um, Gospels and um, Jesus foretells his death. We just talked about that last week. But I want to land here on the temple tax. Um, there's some very cool stuff here. 
and uh, I wanted to draw it out for you. It's only a small portion of scripture, but I'm sure people just gloss over it really quickly. Uh, it says, when they came to Capernaum, I'm going to read through it. It's verses uh, chapter 17 of Matthew, uh, verses 24 through 26, I think. Yeah, 26. So it's only a couple of verses, uh, three verses. Boston's coming in. You may have seen him yesterday. He was in here. And uh, hopefully he doesn't bark because it's really, really loud in my headphones when he does that. So uh, we hope no critters go by the window. Uh, when they came to Capernaum, uh, as I said, uh, this is verse 24. When they came to Capernaum, Capernaum, the collectors of two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay tax? And he said, Yes. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, What do you think, Simon? Jesus says to Simon. He says, so from whom, Jesus is going to ask the question, so from whom do kings of the earth take tax or toll? From their sons or from others? And when Jesus said, from others, Jesus said to him, then sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. Okay, what's going on? I don't quite get it. What's the tax thing? So we understand the tax thing. Uh, we totally understand the tax thing in our generation. Um, just finished uh, doing that a few months back, a month ago. Paid some taxes. And so we get that. We understand the tax thing. Good coffee, by the way. So why is this here? So they come to Capernaum and they go to uh, Peter and Jesus. And those two, because they were currently uh, residents there. So they have to pay the temple tax. Where does this come from? Uh, the temple tax comes from Exodus chapter 30. It's called a life tax, living tax. But it was for the upkeep of both the priests and the temple. So... Um, this has gone on for all of these generations because Exodus is, what, 1,500 years before that. And <clears throat> so this has gone on all this time. And um, basically, a uh, two drachmas, a drachma is about a day's wage. So this is two days' wages. And a shekel is about four days' wages. So so you can see the e the, the equal there and what Jesus got. Here's what we're not understanding. Okay, when Jesus asked the question, who pays the tax? Um, who do the king of the earth, I'm going to cough again. So the question Jesus asks, who do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take their toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And he says, uh, from the others, that's right. So Jesus, in essence, is saying the temple is my father's house, the king, God. I'm the king's son. I am also royalty. I'm his son. I'm not, I don't owe this tax because kings don't take taxes from their sons. So this is a veiled, probably to most of them, a veiled reference 
to saying, I am the son of God. And you're taking a temple tax? The temple belongs to God. And so this is the king's house. And you're taking a tax from his son. So uh, missed that many times as I read that. Missed that. And uh, uh, now again, um, sons are free. Now, the, the other thing that's going on here, which you may not pick up on, if you go all the way back and read in Exodus, is technically Exodus 11, uh, excuse me, Exodus 30, 11 through 16, you'll see about this tax, and it, it, it's, it's attached to the census. And so whenever the census is taken, the taxes, the tax is owed. And so this also gives a time frame to when this is happening. This is obviously written before 70 AD because at that point, the temple was destroyed and the Romans took over this tax and added it to their own uh, pagan temple for, uh, for everyone to pay. Uh, they just kind of co-opted the temple tax into their own religious paganism and uh, they started to pay it. Now, also what's happened is if you read the values of the taxes from that time, they've doubled. And this is in essence saying, uh, because it says, um, when you notice all the way back, it says a uh, temple shekel or a temple drachma. <clears throat> so they're assigning their own value to this, and uh, basically, uh, a great uh, website, I got a Theopolis, and uh, it is in uh, Jeff's stack of stuff, a great article, and uh, I have the paper right here, and uh, Jeff's stack of stuff, so um, it's, uh, I have the article here that I printed out, and it's going in my own stack, which is right here in front of me, but you can get a link to that, and it has a, just a great article on the whole thing, but it talks about the, the analogy it gives is that, say you went to church today, say it was Life Coast, and you walked in and they were going to take an offering, but they said, uh, we're no longer accepting U.S. dollars. You now have to pay your offering, whatever your offering is, you now have to pay it in Life Coast bucks or Life Coast dollars. And so we have an exchange table going on in the lobby. Get, change your dollars into Life Coast bucks and then you can give them as an offering. So essentially, then what they were doing was you would get for every $2 you gave, you would get one Life Coast dollar. And so it would double, it would half the value of your money. So it, in, in essence, it was inflationary. It would be twice as much that you would have to pay for that. Now, that really takes into consideration what Jesus did, separate story, when he came into the temple and we believe this is multiple times. There's multiple accounts of it. There's one just before the crucifixion, though. When he went in there and turned the tables over and said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves because they were doing the exchanges of the temp for the temple tax because that's when it was taken at Passover or 30 days before. And they think that this is 30 days before Passover. This... This account in Matthew 17. So, um, 
as Jesus goes in, he turns those tables over. Now that makes way more sense that they were ripping off God's people. They were ripping off Israel and making them, making the value of their money less, causing them inflation. You can read all that in the stack of stuff in that article I gave you. It gives some great examples, shows you how that works out. <clears throat> Even has some math in there. Don't get scared, though. It's it's not hard. It's like two times two. So you, you, it's it's four. By by the way, four for those of you in Rio Linda. Um, so um, Jesus goes above and beyond. He's not owed the tax, but he says, Peter, go cast a line and catch a fish with a hook and bring that and open the fish's mouth and you'll find a shekel which was the value they were looking for so Jesus actually met the value not because he owed it but because in order to however to not give offense to them because he still had ministry to do go to the sea and cast a hook now here's a cool thing Peter fishes with nets he though he may have fished with a hook from time to time it wasn't his uh modus operandi for when he um fished and also this kind of narrows your odds doesn't it uh you you do a fish and you pick up oh say 153 fish sorry you pick up 153 fish and one of those you're going to find a, a shekel in one of the mouths of one of those fish. No, you're going to catch one fish and take and give and open the mouth of the first fish you catch and take the shekel. You'll find a shekel in there and pay for you and for me. And so this is not just miraculous. This is like God has a fish eat a shekel and then go get caught. Um and this is the exact fish that Peter is going to put into the water. So this is shadowing, this whole episode is shadowing Jesus paying a debt he does not owe and paying it for somebody else. Does that sound familiar to you? So not only is Jesus denouncing this inflationary uh, ex ex extortion that the uh, church leaders are putting on the people of Israel, not only does he show the humility of paying it, he is also demonstrating, shadowing what he came to do. He owed no debt for sin, yet he paid the debt of all of the sin for everybody. And so if you look at Peter... As as, as uh, we just talked about, Peter just professed on this rock, oh, build my church. If you look at Peter as that faith, he, in faith, he the those who faithfully represent those who faithfully call Jesus Christ, he's going to pay the debt for their sin. So there's so much symbolism here. There's so much packed in here, um, and it's and it's essentially three verses. 
And so I love when God does this. I love when all this is piled into this little picture that three verses we could have easily gone by, but he shows us so much of his love and his care and his economy. Because he didn't have to pay it because he's showing both in here, he's the son of God. He doesn't owe the debt. He's going to pay the debt for, for, for everybody who believes and calls on the name of Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's going to pay the debt. And so these things are all connected. And you got we have to start connecting these dots. We have to dig dip, deeper into the word of God. Because people are looking for truth. And when you see these things in God's word, there's no way that this could be anything but God's word because there's no way that people just people could in could could weave these truths in and out of the word of God through it all interconnected and these hyperlinks going on between the things that are happening and now you connect these dots one to the other and it opens up your eyes to see while God really put all of this into his word. So let's move over to Mark chapter 9. And again, we have some duplicate things that we're not going to talk about uh, again, but we have the transfiguration. This is like the fourth time. So we talk about that. Uh, Jesus healed with an unclean spirit. This one, uh, we did talk about this. This has a little more explanation. This has a little more information within the same story. So I'm, I'm just going to go down to the bottom part of it. We heard about this. The boy uh, had an unclean spirit. Jesus uh, cast it out. And, and here down the end, we have a little more information. This is uh, Mark chapter 9, and I'm all the way down. I'm going to start at verse 24. <clears throat> Immediately, the father, the, the, the father of the child cried out and said, I believe help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd came running, he rebuked the unclean spirit saying to you, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out and never enter him again. And after crying out and convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up and arose. And when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. So there's a couple of things I wanted to point out. Uh, the boy had this unclean spirit and this word unclean in the Greek is this uh, uh, foul spirit now it's interesting he says it's a deaf and dumb spirit deaf and dumb is is uh it can't hear can't speak a mute you mute and deaf spirit <clears throat> and so uh the spirit wasn't deaf otherwise when jesus spoke to it it could hear it <laughs> the spirit caused the boy to be deaf and mute and so that was his affliction his physical affliction on this boy and so, um, and I just wanted to touch base on this, this influence and, and, and this isn't uh, puffing myself up. It's just that I've, I've witnessed this, um, many years ago, got called on in a situation in a very private setting that someone had messed around with evil spirits and believed they were possessed by an evil spirit. 
uh, me and this other uh, godly gentleman, we prayed over, uh, rebuke the spirit in Jesus' name. <clears throat> and this is what I witnessed. This is what we witnessed when the spirit released this, this man, this young man. After crying out, convulsing him terribly, it came out. Loud cry, loudest cry I ever heard in my life, flailing on the ground. And finally, the young man said, oh, it's gone. And, he, and, he, and that's what he said in my circumstance that I should. But I read this um, after the fact and said, well, that's that's what I just experienced. And, uh, and, and it was, it's something that it's very difficult to describe. Uh, you feel very unworthy, uh, um, very, uh, I was very young in my faith. Um, you, you just don't feel like, it's something you should be doing, um, but there's a spiritual, a spiritual fulfillment that occurs. And I'm not saying go chasing after demons. I don't do that. I don't want you to do it. It's not something we do. But if the situation ever presents itself, the name of Jesus, the name of Yeshua, is 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 what is your armor and. Uh, and here's the thing, Jesus says, and they, the, the, the apostles couldn't cast this one out. And Jesus said, this kind. And that tells you there are different uh, kinds of unclean spirits, different kinds of foul demonic spirits. And, and the prayer thing, some people say prayer and fasting. This particular passage just says prayer. And that tells me that the, the intentional and intense intervention of the spirit within you the holy spirit not your spirit the holy spirit within you the prayer the funnel that comes through that that re is required for the that to be cleaned out because it's it's more direct from god than a parlay and uh i i was just at church this past sunday woman speaking at the church i was at talked a little bit about this and not this particular passage, but but the funneling of the Holy Spirit. She used a great analogy I've never heard before. I'm going to share it right now. She said, uh, any of you have a home with a gutter and a downspout? The gutter funnels the water from up on the roof, and it comes down the downspout and channels it out. If your gutter is full of junk, is full of leaves, if your downspout is clogged with all kinds of junk and crap and leaves then the water is not going to flow. And this is what our life is. If we're not, if we've got all this sin in our life, all these distractions in our life, we're not into engaging with the Spirit of God within us. It's like that water coming from the gutter through the downspout. If we do not clean the crap out, the water is hampered. The flow does not flow through. And this is the same kind of thing when we're dealing with, with evil, when we're dealing with the enemy, when we're dealing with our life. Clean the crap out. Get rid of the sin. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of all the things that bring you back into the world. Let the spirit flow through you like the, down, like the gutter through the downspout and let it flow out from there. Great analogy. Jesus again foretells his death. We've talked about that three times now. Uh, and then the, the disciples get into an argument. This is always cracks me up how much time we got. So we're working. Oh, we're in good space shape. And then we came to Capernaum. 
And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? Because he heard the conversation. Now, here's the thing. This is a beautiful lead-in for Jesus to give a teaching. He heard what they were talking about. And though it was probably joking and jovial and not, um, probably mostly in jest, I would think. Um, I'm hoping. Uh, maybe not, but I, I can see this being a, a, a joking conversation between them. Who, who is the who's the best among us? And um, and Jesus uses the opportunity to speak truth to them. Okay. Uh, how many times have we overheard conversations where people say something in joke or in jest, but it has a spiritual connection? And do we enter into that by asking a question just like Jesus did? Don't just don't just barge into the conversation and say, uh, oh, well, this is the truth of God's word. Ask a question. Oh, that's funny. What did you mean by that? Or... How does that, uh, oh, and they say, oh, that's a joke. Oh, I, I understand that it's a joke. It's very funny. But there's some truth to that. Or do you think that's true? Do you believe that that's true? Whatever the joke is, whatever, if it has a spiritual connection to it, church connection, spiritual connection, Bible connection, God connection, uh, the humor may be just what God is doing to open the conversation up for you to share some gospel truth, some Jesus truth, some Bible truth to them may not be as might not be their salvation moment, but it might be the seed that gets them there. So I give that out. We're teaching a practical evangelism uh, on Monday nights. We're talking about that. We're sharing, and uh, we've done we've done two sessions. We've got two more to go. So come on out, join us Wednesday night at the Family Center. Um, and these are the kind of things that we're discussing. How do you engage in those conversations? And it comes down to intentional listening. Intentional listening. Get your kingdom ears on. Get your kingdom eyes open. See where God is working. And join him in his work because he's invited you to do that. So, okay. Uh, but what they were talking about uh, is that who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus says, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and a servant of all. And he took a child and put him on his lap. And uh, he said, whoever receives one, one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So it's a, you get the fullness of of God. And so anyone who's against me, oh, oh, uh, the, the next section is, uh, uh, they're asking questions because they see people that, uh, um, that aren't part of their group. They're not part of, of uh, they're not uh, part of Jesus disciples. It says, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he was not following us. He wasn't part of the team. He wasn't part of the fellowship. He said, but Jesus said, do not stop him for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able to soon forward afterward to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against me is for, not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. 
<clears throat> so, you know, we always look at all these other yeah, denominations, uh, camps, uh, places, and, and we want to denounce them when they're doing things. And I'm not saying everything they do is right or good or or uh, even um, necessarily actually happening. But, but when they're doing it in Jesus' name, when they're proclaiming the name of Jesus, Jesus seems to be saying here, uh, don't tell them to stop. Don't stop. Do, don't stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. Don't stop doing things in the name of Jesus. So, <coughs> so we sometimes get ourselves into the uh, holy huddle, and um, so you got to be careful there. Obviously, if somebody is speaking things against God, against His truth. We need to speak the truth in love. We need to, to speak what God says. So then the last part of this, as we close this up, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in to sin be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he was thrown into the sea. So it's talking about, then it goes on to talk about sin in those famous lines, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. And if your eye, pluck it out. And so... All of these things, it's saying, it, whatever sin is keeping you from God, I don't believe it's saying to actually cut your hand off and poke your eye out. I think it's metaphorical in saying that whatever is causing you to sin, whatever the temptation is drawing you, you need to remove that from your life. Obviously, your hand is not temptation. Your eye is not the temptation. It's metaphorical. It's showing you that whatever the temptation is, cut it out. So if you're struggling with drinking and drunkenness and the debauchery, that's the sin, that's the result of that. If you're struggling with that, when you take your drive home from work, you go by this bar and you can't not go in there. Go a different route. Cut out the temptation. Find a different room, even if you've got to drive farther, even if you have to pay more for gas, cut that out. If you have friends in your life that are constantly drawing you to things that are not of God, then maybe you need different friends. Maybe you need to change the group of people you hang around with. Maybe it's time for you to uh, get a different group. Um, this is what it's saying. It goes on and, and end, ends here, and I'll, I'll finish with these. <clears throat> If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where their worms does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Are you a salty Christian? You lost your saltiness? You need to get that re-salt because we do not want to be lost to the world. And uh, your salvation, if you're saved, keep that saltiness, keep sharing. We are in times now where people are casting the truth aside and we need to stand for truth. We need to do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need to love the Lord and tell people about the Lord because we love people. Because people are created in the image of God. 
Every person's important. Look for the opportunities. We love you. We're glad you're here. Keep reading. Keep joining us. Share it. We're, we're so close to a thousand plays. We should pass it by next week. So uh, just keep sharing. Keep reading. Uh, keep listening. And let someone else know about Wake Up to the Word. And go to wakeuptotheword.org where you can find Jeff's stack of stuff. And read things for yourself. Love you guys. Keep sharing the word.